it's funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of John's Entitled Podcast. My guest for you this week is Leith Hines of the band Voltry. Voltry came onto my radar a few weeks ago when their management sent me an advanced copy of their album, Eulogy. And with the album, there was a bit of a backstory on the recording process and the lyrical content and overall kind of vibe of the, the album itself. Uh, obviously, with a with an album title of Eulogy, you can kind of guess that it it surrounds themes of death and and so forth. And in reading the band bio, it became very evident very quickly uh, that the album was about a guitar player that of theirs that had just recently passed away before the making of this album. This singer Leith uh, and the rest of the guys decided to kind of make the album about their guitar player's life, uh, Chasen, who we will discuss about in this episode. Uh, Chasen was a, a rather interesting individual, went through a, a really unique set of circumstances throughout his whole life. Uh, to, to say that he had it easy, making decisions to be comfortable with who he was, was never really the case. With that being said, uh, Chasen was diagnosed with cancer and ended up losing that battle. But before he did, the band all got around and decided to write a record about him and his life and, and really kind of put out a record that was very honest and sincere and very heartfelt and is very vulnerable at a lot of times when you're listening to it. Knowing the, a bit of the backstory on everything and, and knowing that it was about a, a bandmate who had passed, it's very heavy to listen to, especially if you've gone through loss of a friend very unexpectedly before it was supposed to happen or due to any... Short of it just being like old age, anytime you lose somebody close to you due to a tragedy is always very, very hard to, to take. And when it's through something such as cancer or anything, really, it it's, it's always leaves you with a lot of questions and like a remorse sort of, of of time that you didn't have to spend with that person. The nice thing is, is, you know, Chasen will always live on not only through the band's music that they released before this album, but... Uh, especially in this album, uh, Eulogy. We discuss a little bit about what in, went into the writing process and the band's background and how Leith got into music, kind of, and a wide range of, of things. This album as a whole has a very nostalgic feel to it, and it was interesting to find that it was done intentionally because, as I always say on this podcast where I mentioned my age in relation to someone else or something else that we're discussing, uh, this album has a very... Like I said, nostalgic feel to it. It sounds like something that could have been on like old drive-through records, akin to maybe not as heavy as some of these bands at times, but something you would have found like on a Taking Back Sunday record or a Finch record or any of those kind of bands that fit in that genre, that kind of emo scene genre of the early 2000s, which was definitely my wheelhouse growing up. So this album really kind of resonated with me for a lot of reasons. You know, the loss of a friend that I had and still dealing with that, knowing what that feeling is like, and then, you know, growing up listening to a lot of these records, it sounds familiar, but still has its foot in something new that you haven't quite heard yet. So it was really interesting to talk to Leith and kind of get more of a backstory on that. It also coincides with their Canadian tour, which they started about a week ago now. Uh, they're right in the middle of it. It's an all-Canadian tour. Uh, it's actually their first tour they've done, because due to Chasen having some health issues, they the band wasn't really able to tour. So it's good to see that this band's able to, to kind of start hitting the road and 
you know, playing these songs for a lot of people and getting out there and, you know, getting their, their brand out to a lot of people. Uh, with all that being said, I'm going to kind of keep this one short because this episode kind of runs a little bit long with what we talk about. So without further ado, this is my episode with Leith Hines. today um i won't ask you how you got your name because I, I read the the background on that yeah yeah which was well, it's readily available i was gonna it's say a dumb story well i mean people love video games so maybe it's not as dumb as you think maybe people who are super into fallout will be like man that's awesome yeah uh funny story though that is how i got into a lot of the music i got into i used to watch like fucking like helsing amvs and stuff with god smack in it <laughs> when i was when i was like 12 Hey man, was, we, we all have that phase. I still, yeah, I still unapologetically like all that stuff. Actually, I think on the way back from Deftones the other night, I threw on Godsmack randomly. It was just like, oh, oh right fuck on, it, whatever. Right cool. So, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Uh, it's it's hot here in Michigan. Uh, it's it's windy here. Oh, I'm jealous. Lots. It's like ninety. Yeah. It was like ninety degrees. It was almost eighty degrees this morning when I woke up at like a quarter to seven. Well, I'm always worried about shit blowing off my balcony because uh, I have, like, <laughs> hanging plants and stuff. And uh, there was a windstorm the other day, and it was like... <laughs> <laughs> if I knew more about botany, I could probably make a, a better joke, but I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the band Valtry, it's not your band, per se. You came to the band... Uh, well, it's it's my band in the sense that I was there at the formation of Valtry. Uh, there was a band before Valtry okay. called Tears and Counting that I was not a part of. Okay. One of the back interviews I had read kind of made it seem yeah, like... Yeah, probably a little was, unclear. Yeah, I was going to say, made it seem like Valtry was a band, had maybe kind of like the classic mm -hmm. thing that a lot of bands go through when, when there's member changes at a, such an early, in the infancy stages where it's more... You know, there was somebody else that wasn't quite off the ground. Maybe there was an EP or some songs getting ready to be tracked. And then, hey, our singer's gone. Would you like to hop in and, and fill the void of uh, that since you were a sweet singer in another band we all played with? Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. So I guess that is sort of probably the, the same story. Just that band was done and then the new entity with you and it became Baltry. Yeah, uh, that's that's basically what happened. I mean, with uh their old bands they were kind of uh they'd been a band for about four years before i even met them and uh they had you know one lp out and they were working and working and working trying to get things happening but uh, uh unfortunately clayton the singer just decided he it was not something he really wanted to be a part of anymore so they were like oh well what should we do should we continue doing what we're doing right now with two years and counting or should we look elsewhere for inspiration uh so i met brad uh at my grocery store that i used to work at um and he, he came in every day he was a regular he came in and he was like oh man you know things are going a little rough right now our singer just quit and i was like oh i, I was singing can i audition so i uh i sent him uh, some demos from uh, one of my older projects and then they, they liked it and we started jamming and i did a formal audition and 
uh, yeah, and then now we're three years deep into uh, Valtry. So it's uh, it's been qu- quite the the shift in what we've been doing, you know, with especially with Chase passing away and um, you know swapping out a few more members. It's just it's really been like a huge process of kind of form the band into something that really works well. Now with a. Uh kind of doing my own homework and going back and listening to basically eulogy which has just recently come out i think mm-hmm. within the last month or two uh it came out in january okay so a little off a little time um yeah yeah but then before that there was another ep coven um mm-hmm. and then listening to it it sounds like you guys are there's a, a very familiar sound i would say akin to a lot of the stuff that was kind of coming out in the early 2000s kind of like yeah the, like yeah. a lot of the like the sort of taking back Sundays and stuff like that, where it's like you have little influences of like post hardcore and and kind of mm-hmm. some of like the indie music scene sort of. Um, yeah, was, is that a? I'm starting to notice it come back around now, but it's it's kind of a different take on it. Where like there's more double bass, there's actually kind of sort of breakdowns in this music, uh, mm-hmm. so everything's kind of getting a little bit more nuanced in a, in a newer way than it used to be. Yeah. was was that always the band's sound like from? Like the band that used to be like was that always kind no, of your sound they, or? they were they were kind of like um parkway drive as they lay dying sort of stuff some more metal like, core screaming more metal core okay. which is why coven still is kind of metal core ish just because it was kind of the last little remnants of that and as we worked towards you know the sounds we really liked i think with the response we got from walls when we released walls through dreambound uh we really saw you know what people wanted in our music and what we really liked about our music so it was easier to find kind of a template for where we were going to move forward. And uh, the album intentionally, like Eulogy intentionally has a lot of early 2000s influence in it just because um, Chase, uh, who the album's written about, uh, was really, really into like early 2000s Taking Back Sunday post-hardcore pop-punk sort of stuff. Right. Like the, like this, basically the Equal Vision catalog before the modern era. Right. And so we've uh we we really decided that early on when we were writing it that we wanted to have that sort of uh pop punk uh early 2000s influence into the sound to make it more nostalgic and uh to make it like sort of sound like you know the time when chase would have grown up so it reflected around the kind of music and like who he was as a person um for those not familiar with who Chase was and, and what happened to him, because we, we are referring to him in, in the past tense. Uh, do you mm-hmm. want to kind of give a, the background on that so we can kind of yeah. go more into talking about eulogy? Yeah, for sure. So when, about two months after I joined the band, um, Chase was diagnosed. Or was He was our for one of the first guitar players from Tears and Counting, and he, uh, he was diagnosed with terminal lymphoma. Uh, and over the course of his... Uh, his uh, couple last years fighting it, uh, we we started having to push things back, and uh, we didn't really manage to get out as much music as we wanted. And we got to December of 2015, and um, Ch- uh, Chase was going into permanent hospice. So I got him over before he was shipped over. Managed to write about four songs with him, and then. We um, managed to get one back one more time when he was in hospice um, to write another song with him. So we wrote Hospice in the Hospice with him. Uh, and then uh, about a week after that, he passed away. And 
Uh, we spent the next few months after that just refining the album, um, trying to reconcile our grief and keep going forward. Um, and yeah, and then we managed to meet uh, Damien, who uh, is our new guitar player, and he was really positive support for the band and like really helped us, you know, keep keep focused when we were all feeling like maybe we couldn't do this, you know, like it was going to be just, just too much for us to keep going as a band after losing someone so special to us. But luckily Damien's positive support really kept us going and, uh, we managed to keep on schedule. We got into the studio in Joe or May to record, uh, a single that we wrote with Damien called no victory, which was kind of like the precursor, to eulogy where it was like where we were kind of like doing like a little taster sound of what the album was going to sound like right uh it's a lot more upbeat than uh eulogy eulogy i would say is a lot more somber uh but that's just comes with the territory and then uh yeah and we got into recording eulogy in september and then we released it in uh january but uh we were writing it over the course of like a year and a bit so so in yeah. something I hadn't really seen uh, in researching the how this, this eulogy EP came about and in the, the process of writing it, um, you had just said that you had gotten with Chase to, to write some of the songs. Was that the music or were any of the lyrics of anything? Like I did Chase write any of the lyrics to any of the other any of the other songs or just more of the music as a whole? Uh, it was mostly just the instrumentals that we wrote with them. Uh, I had a entire LP's worth of lyrics that I wrote initially, but uh, after having a conversation with him when he was in hospice, he convinced me to uh, to rewrite all my lyrics to be about his life and what he'd gone through and to make it a story about his life and make the the album his legacy. And uh, so I, I, I couldn't say no. Like, it was... I, I knew it was exactly what I had to do, and I'm really glad I did it because... I feel like writing an album that would have just been like a bunch of random songs, you know, really wouldn't have felt as special as writing, you know, the songs we wrote for this and writing the lyrics that I wrote for this. But, um, yeah, he, he wrote, uh, a considerable amount of guitar with me. Uh, and then we kind of worked around it and built on it. So it was mostly just like the underlying structure of, of about five of the tracks of the 10 when coming up with the lyrics for this how i don't know if i want to use the word hard or, or putting pressure on or both um how is it to and no pun intended how is it to basically eulogize someone's life in a song form where you kind of have to be cognizant of you know song arrangement structure melodies so forth while trying to do the justice that you know you you want to give the 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 material there we go that's what you're definitely a lot more yeah yeah well i mean you're definitely a lot more hard on it like you definitely get down on yourself a lot more and like is this really that good and you have to kind of step back and look at you know like um are you really writing exactly what you feel needs to be written but at the same time it kind of just happens you know like writing the lyrics you know the words just sort of come to you as you feel them the nice thing about lyrics and poetry is that like you know you can you could write a thousand words and you know maybe in certain circumstances only 20 means something to you but you'll 
those 20 will stand out to you and those are the ones that you pick you know like it's 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 not really like as difficult and to write them as it was to perform them like having to perform these songs all the time is like oh god uh i've <laughs> like i i love i love this album and i love the uh the the the, the process and how we managed to to keep chase alive through this but I, i'm gonna be honest it's gonna be nice to get some of these songs out of our repertoire because i just like you know it's there's some songs that like i i have a hard time getting through performing i was gonna say is this gonna be one of those things where upon the the touring cycle of this this album being done are you gonna retire a lot of these songs and and just because of the I don't know. emotional toll that it kind of takes on you as as well as i'm assuming the rest of the band performing these we'll probably play the singles uh, right. after i mean i kind of want to move forward with what we're doing next versus you know stick to this like i do want to keep chase alive and i do want to keep continue playing a lot of these songs and keep keep his voice heard but i really think that uh part with especially with the music climate now that you have to keep moving forward and you have to keep releasing new music or people lose interest in your band uh it's, it takes a very special kind of person to be able to revisit and a very special kind of album to be able to revisit it year after year after year and um, I don't know if Eulogy's that. I hope it is. I hope somebody it feels as connected to this album as uh, it was intended for. But uh, I definitely just want to move forward and, uh, you know, keep Chase's story going, even if he's not the subject of the music. With losing a member and obviously a founding member of kind of the, the entity as it's mm-hmm. shifted from the old band into what Vultry became, Yeah. was there ever a point where you maybe thought about maybe not continuing on as, as Voltry or continuing on playing music as a whole. Like, I mean, there are yeah. instances like, you know, with 18 visions, like basically recently just putting out their new record and saying like, you know, Nick's not in the band anymore, but so we're not going to ever have a bass player. We're going to like kind of leave his rig set up every time. We're just going to run bass tracks because we don't want to replace him. Like that's kind of a very interesting take on, on the fact that, you know, they went through the same thing that you guys have, like losing a member mm-hmm. of the band um but that's a, it's a different route that i've typically seen a band go like where they're like just we're gonna have bass tracks and there's never gonna be replacing this person you know like yeah there's so many instances well, where that's not been the case but you know there's a lot of bands that are also like you know we're not going to continue on anymore we're gonna change the band name or you know just not yeah, continue on at all yeah i think it's it's hard to say you know everybody's different and the kind of group of people you're working with really depends uh we're a band that really focuses on progress and focuses on you know moving forward and that's kind of what eulogy was we almost didn't have another another guitar player we just uh we want we didn't want to pull a fill-in we wanted to get somebody that we could depend on and somebody that you know wouldn't replace chase but would definitely just be another brother to the family and i think that's what we found i don't i with 18 visions i mean it's kind of like uh i I would assume that they'd been a band long enough with their bass player in it that they'd build up that connection and they just like they'd known him for 20 plus years that sort of thing whereas like there really was no replacing him whereas like um with with chase um uh, we knew that Chase. W- he he asked us if he if something ever happened to him or he couldn't play. To uh, there was a he had a short list of people he wanted to get to to fill his shoes. So we wanted to you know 
we wanted we wanted to do what was best for the group as a whole and then do what was what chase wanted because his wishes sort of came first that superseded what we wanted to do right i guess it was just more in the the vein of uh with the the style change kind of over the the last couple of eps or albums mm-hmm. you put out and with this happening and getting someone else in and kind of changing the sound again with this this new member you know it's just a as we were saying before we hit record, like, you know, I was looking at the comments and people were like, oh, where'd the screaming go? And I was like, are you referring to, because, like, the stuff I had found on Coven, I didn't find too much screaming, really, nor a dramatic shift in, in the sound to me. Um, but it was one of those where I was like, oh, I could, like, listening to this style of music for a better part of a decade now, I could see where, like, oh, this, you could have screaming here, and this is where I'd expect it to be, or, like, you know something mm-hmm. akin to like a Hawthorne Heights kind of thing where it's like, okay, like here's the person singing, here's the scream going on in the background, so on and so forth. Yeah. Like I, the, the formula the is formula. there. Yeah. yeah. So I was kind of surprised that I couldn't find anything that had a drastically different sound. Um, but I'm interested because you said that you're already looking, like writing newer stuff now. So I'm interested to see where the next album goes when you're not kind of writing a concept record. Well, we, we I still am kind of, uh, it's just going to be more uh, fictional. Okay. It's not going to be non-fictional. Um, yeah, uh, the new material we're working on is a lot more experimental. Uh, it's kind of, I don't know, that's such a like loose, <laughs> ambiguous term to say like... It's your oh, heaviest and your, your softest is the softest and it's the best record you've ever put out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's like we're working with a lot more electronica than we were on the last two records and it's just because... I'm I'm a electronic producer at heart. I uh, I used to produce electronica for years, and um, I'm I like the broadness of it, and that you're not limited by what instruments you're playing and what amp you're using. You know, it's you're you you have this well of sounds and spectrums that you can use to pull into your music to make it um, not necessarily more interesting, but uh, feel more authentic to creativity like because with coven it's not a record that i typically recommend if people are trying to check out my band go listen to obviously because it's not the newest thing anymore but (laughs) right um i felt like the record was extremely rushed uh not in recording time because it took almost a year to come out uh but in writing it i feel like we rushed it a lot and i wish we'd taken a lot more time to refine the sounds we had and to work with more stuff like walls and to you know, put aside the sort of metalcore stuff like Lygia and Misanthropic and uh, Owls. Like, I really wanted to do something more uh, ambient and, like, more interesting, which I got to do with uh, Eulogy. Uh, but with Eulogy, we were kind of like, we want to also make it more accessible. So we were like, oh, well, pop punk is something that Chase really dug. And I, uh, I took vocal lessons right after we released Coven because I couldn't... Uh, I couldn't stand working uh, with my screams anymore. It was just, <laughs> it was, it's not that it was too difficult. It just like, uh, cause I bounced a lot in my range. So I, I was finding it difficult to uh, scream and balance singing really high. And then also uh, keeping my voice fresh. So uh, I definitely moved sing to singing over comfort. Plus I also don't really listen to a lot of metalcore uh, screamo type music anymore. Uh, I'm definitely more into like chill stuff. So it, it's kind of, I don't know. I, 
I didn't want to like bum fans out, but it was definitely uh, it was it was definitely a, a logistics decision. Well, I was gonna say, I mean, we we come from a time now where you're seeing a lot of those those older bands. I mean, shit, even going back to like 18 Visions, like they went from a straight up kind of more just straight hardcore kind of band into mm-hmm. like a weird, I wouldn't even call it quite metalcore because it was just more singing than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, like you're seeing like a lot of that, or even like you know Dallas Green from Alexis on Fire going from like you know what they were into City and Color and finding yeah. more success doing that. You know, I don't think that I think we're of an age now where people understand that people are influenced by completely different things now. And just because mm-hmm. you like, you know, you're in a metal band, chances are most most of the time people I know that are in metal bands don't listen to metal really. They're like, I hear it all the time. I'm either around it at shows, listening to it for mm-hmm. four to five hours, you know, Some and so on really and so forth. It, that it's like, yeah, well, no, for sure. But it, it's yeah. it's funny because I feel like growing up when you used to look at some of these other bands. It was always a thing where, you know, people would be like, oh, I like this band, this band, this band, and it's all, like, things in the same realm, mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. never really, I was always like, oh, I guess, like, if you like this thing, this is all you can like, which seems kind of narrow-minded, but I guess, whatever, that's that's that person, and now it seems like over the last, like, handful of years, like, you're seeing people just be like, nah, man, I, I really like folk, and I really like country, and I'm gonna start doing yeah. that, and, you know, people delving into other, other realms, so, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's that weird that, like, I actually think it's kind of a bit selfish of fans to want a band to just stay in 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 their proverbial lane. Like I think is... it's it's juvenile. Yeah, it's, it, it's like I thought we had a pretty juvenile sound in Coven. Like it was not super interesting or cutting edge, or we weren't really trying anything like out of our comfort zone. And uh, I think the more we try shit, like try to write songs out of our comfort zone, it really expands the sonic palette of what we're doing and especially with this new record we're writing um a lot of the songs are like sort of have the same sort of strong structure as eulogy where it's like kind of the more um like higher tempo sort of half-timey stuff and then like a little bit of uh punk parts but like uh mostly we're trying to see like what kind of other music we could fuse into it without it sounding like 12 foot ninja <laughs> i actually just saw them recently and was kind of yeah i'm a huge fan of them i never I think... had heard about them they uh they're great it was very interesting to, to see that kind of like when uh, i saw like Anna yeah. shikari and i had never seen or heard them and i was like wow this yeah. is interesting the thing about both those bands is like their their stylistic fusion is very obvious it's not very subtle no <laughs> like when they do genre changes in songs it's like it's like iris little bear once it hits you yeah. like a ton of bricks yeah but uh yeah i'm trying to figure out how we can like merge the two genres of like whatever what we're doing now with what we're going to do later and sort of make them more cohesive and feel like a more unique sound and i mean everybody says that about the record everybody says they're doing something different but the proof will be in the pudding when it comes out and see if people actually think it's unique or people just think that we're derivative i don't know we'll we'll figure it out what uh what is your what is the scene like out up where you're at in the uh what is it british Columbia? Oh, British Columbia. It's a pens where you live. Uh, we live on an island, so it's pretty like limited um, because there's not a lot of bands because there's not a lot of people living on the island. Um, Victoria has a lot of indie bands, a lot of uh, sort of reggae ska type bands, just like West Coast sort of shit. Like okay. people like this is like grooving, grooving music. So um, and then Van- Vancouver has a pretty diverse scene. Uh, it's it's hard to say. It's like metal and then also like indie rock and stuff. But um, yeah. so you, 
because it's, it's kind of interesting like you know i'm very close to canada living here in michigan uh it's only a few mm-hmm. hours away oh yeah because you're right by uh ontario and... yeah i'm in yeah. grand rapids so we're, we're about i think like three or four hours from the border depending on traffic and all that but mm-hmm. it's it's one of those things where i f- i'm very aware of bigger tours that go through and i'm always kind of like man mm-hmm. canada gets really sweet tours but then i always constantly see people bitch that like there's no canadian tours on other tours so i, I kind of just not really ever been aware of the scene that's there uh and even when talking with fallon from kitty recently you know i kind of talked about was there really a music scene up there and if so like kind of what it what was it because the bands mm-hmm. that kind of have come out of canada as a whole are kind of far and few between over the last i'd say like decade or so it's like bigger just anyway it's so well yeah it's because it's so expensive to tour from canada because canada in itself is a huge country with not a lot of cities in between yeah so touring canada is quite expensive and then um the the border costs you about 450 dollars a person to get a visa so that you can make money while you're on tour um and it just it, the, the prices go up and up and up and things and like going to Europe's expensive. I mean, it's probably the cheapest route for most Canadian bands, to be honest, is to tour Europe because it's the same cost as Americans coming through. But Uh-oh. don't they yeah. I was gonna say, don't they also tax your your merch when you're going through the border? Uh, they might. They might also tax it. It's can... probably just better to uh, order your merch from a Canadian shop and then or vice versa, then come in and get your merch. Yeah, yeah. What, well, uh, we do that. We do that for our. Tour. We do, we're doing that for our tour merch this time. Is we I dropped it off at a friend's house uh, in Vancouver. Got it sent there. So we're gonna pick it up on our first date of our tour, and then we don't have to take it on the ferry with us because it's just extra shit in the van. Right. What uh, what does tour look like for for you guys? I mean, you said kind of touring Canada is very long drives and and so forth. And is there have you noticed over the last few years, like the a kind of a scene growing across and, and building your apparently brand? Toronto has a super Toronto on Ottawa and all the cities on Ontario have booming like post hardcore scenes, emo scenes. Like I see a new uh, band that just ripped off Lattice Butte like every every week and a half. They're <laughs> they're like one of my weird. favorite. They're one of my favorite bands. I uh, I'm not, I'm not saying that Barb out of uh, out of contempt for them. I I absolutely adore. Jordan Drew and the gang. It's it's still like I said. It's interesting when there are bands that get to that level that are mm-hmm. from the area, and you're just like, "Wow, people know about them." That's that's weird. They're still well, it's just like, kind uh, of a local yeah. band to me. Well, it's like when people know about like Mother Mother or Hot Hot Heat from here. Yeah, uh, it's the same sort of deal. I mean, they're both from Victor or Victoria ish. I think Mother Mother's from Quadra Island, which is like way up by Campbell River, <laughs> which is like way up on the island. It's all a bunch of like tiny towns. Uh, but yeah, I mean. Alexis on Fire is another huge name. Like they yeah. they got giant and they're from Toronto, but like it's few and far between. Just because the scene in the states is just so much bigger, and there's so many record labels that only want to invest in American artists because it's cheaper. And then uh, get, getting Canadian artists to play in the United States is very expensive. So I really hope over the next few years um, we can work out something with the states to lessen the cost of musicians' visas because it's just or to have a uh, better, easier grants for it from the Canadian government because it's it's the reason that Canadian music is going to die out because it's just too expensive. I thought I had recently heard on a different podcast with a different Canadian artist. I thought that there was speaking of the grants and stuff. They made it seem like there's, and maybe this is what they were speaking to, and just didn't really elaborate too well, mm-hmm. or I didn't get it. But 
I was kind of under the assumption that like the government helps out some of the bands be able to they do, do such they things. They do. Is it very uh, limited amount just, to who who can get such grants and so forth, or you you have to apply and you have to have a certain amount of information readily available and uh, large documents written out. Uh, it's a very lengthy process to apply for grants. A lot of people hire professional grant writers to help them get grants. Uh, <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it's 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 a very bureaucratic process. Um, so. You know, for a band that tries to do everything DIY, it's it's very helpful if you can get money from the government. But a lot of Canadian artists are, that are supported by grants are a very select few, and they're in a very div, very uh, centric sort of pool in in terms of genre and style. Like the Canada picks artists that are very Canadiana. Okay. To uh, when I'm sure it'd be the same if America had grants, they pick you know artists that represented the ideals of the American people. I didn't know if it was it's just, something... It's just in the... Okay. I was going to say, I wasn't sure if yeah. it was something more akin to not necessarily making back the money, but to where they knew that like the money was being invested in something that was going to reach a certain level, obviously, so then that way... I guess that kind of speaks yeah. more to your, like, you know, putting like the Canadian kind of stamp on it and being very Canadian. But it's. I think it's an interesting thing, and I, I wish... Actually, I think other countries do it. And I think America is mm-hmm. one of the few, it seems, that does not in any way, shape, or form uh so, yeah. i mean it just kind of sucks that it's apparently like our some of our uh programs here to help people that goes to some people and not others that may be more deserving or whatever well the biggest problem with the united states is that you guys just did, like can't get behind socialism that's the that's the nice thing about a lot of other countries that have this sort of funding and support from the government is because they support socialism well, uh everyone said they were gonna move recently so it's funny that whenever yeah that'll hit, never happen. As I say, when shit hits the fan here, apparently everyone wants to move to Canada, but then no one wants to take on any of the uh, Canadian things to help make yeah, us. Yeah, the ideals. Like, yeah, I've always thought that yeah. was weird, just as a whole, that people don't don't do that. It's like, well, look at Canada, or look at you know these places that have whatever it is that you know you want out of your government, and then it just turns into this thing where it's like, well, you know, in order to do that, like there's other things that have to come with it, and people, are like, well, I don't want that, and it's like. Well, you can't just kind of cherry pick the things you want. Like you can't. There's a reason that these things work, and it's because of these other these other things. I well, wish the kind uh, of people. Oh, ahead. sorry. Uh, I was gonna say. Well, the kind of people that say that sort of shit are like the people who uh, believe that that uh, Gavin McGinnis sketch about him being Canadian is reality and not fictional <laughs> or hyperbolic. Like it's, it's. Everyone thinks that we're a bunch of hosers. The kind of people that are like, oh, I'm gonna move to Canada. But uh, I love the dance. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like everybody had said that there was a bunch of people said that. And then they found out that we had that we gay marriage has been legal here for like, oh, God, I it's like 2006 or something like that. Yeah. Something like way, way back. And um, they're like, oh, I'm not going to move there with those queers. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's the kind of people that say that sort of shit are just really dumb. Out of curiosity, because I had read, I'm sorry to bring this kind of go backwards as opposed to yeah, 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 the no, conversation, totally. but I was going to say, I, I kind of had wondered because in your, in the, uh, like your EPK press kit kind of thing, it talked mm-hmm. about how Chasen was transgendered and I had wondered, and obviously there was some of that in the, in the lyrics mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. eulogy. Cause I mean, that is a part of his life. Yeah. Huge part. Obviously, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like I'm saying it as I was saying, I was like, oh, I guess that I'm kind of making, I'm downplaying it, even though it like like it wasn't a big part. But don't no. Well, 
I was gonna here's say the thing about go ahead. Here's the thing about being transgendered. Uh, the somewhat usually the most the most people who go through transitional surgery and through the the full transitioning right. uh, with changing your name, uh, your your birth certificate, gen, your driver's license, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, most people don't want to think back to their transition transitioning. Right. They just want to move forward. That's the whole point of it. It's transitional. Right. Uh, most people don't want that part of their, and it is important. It's a huge, it's the defining, one of the defining moments of their life. But right. a lot of people just don't want to brought up because it's not important and they don't like thinking about it because it was a horribly painful time for them. Uh, right. Most people deal with huge mental illness when they go through it because of the, the drastic change in hormones and, um, surgery trauma. It's, it's, there's a reason that there's such a high suicide rate with transgendered people. And, uh, it's, I, I think that there's just not enough empathy for it from a lot of people, especially from people who think that this whole thing was about bathroom rights, you know, like it's yeah. For after, after being in a band with someone who went through that experience for so long and like it never really coming up. Like I didn't even know until, uh, until I found out you had cancer. Like it did. I got all that information at the same time. Uh, wow. it's yeah. It was just kind of one of those things, you know, like, um, I mean, at it, the same it's, time, it's not, yeah. it, it's not important, but I mean, it, I had it wondered is, it is and it isn't. It's, yeah, yeah, it's one, yes. it's kind of ambiguous. It's one, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, it's one of those things where, just like anything, really, if you don't make a big deal about it, it's not a big deal. Like, But it mm -hmm. is a big deal to the person who had to go through that. What I was going to say, and I had kind of wondered, because, like I said, having a lot of friends in bands, I have, like, there was a friend of mine that when they went and did a tour in, I think, Tennessee, like, many, many, many years ago, uh, mm -hmm. Alfonso is a, like, black, Latino-y kind of looking guy. Like, he kind of is a, a mix right. of different races. And For he, sure. got, he got beat up. <clears throat> out after one of their shows and kind of seeing that shit in in music scene as a whole mm -hmm. and being aware of it even with the thing you know with mina caputo from life of agony um at this point going through the becoming a woman now or yeah or, uh, Laura, or jane grace yep i was gonna say it's starting to become a thing that people are more aware of and understand that it's it doesn't change the music doesn't change any of these things about the band that yeah. they love but it's still sometimes like these instances kind of remind me that people aren't as accepting of change as I mm -hmm. as I am or as I wish people were. But did yeah, you guys ever go the through same kind of? Yeah, it's the same kind of people that we were talking about earlier. The you know the the kind of people that'll never change that uh that just want things to be like them because it makes it easier for them to grasp the world around them. Did you guys ever experience any any hate? I guess for lack of a better uh, term? transphobia. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I guess if like if you didn't know until kind of the toward the very end, then I, maybe not a lot of the the fans knew. But it was one of those things that, like I said, with it being so omnipresent in the in the press kit, that I kind of wondered if the transition had happened at some point between you know the band and it oh, kind of being was, more okay. So that was that again. That wasn't really any information that was available anywhere that I could find. So, but I was going to say yeah. like. If that was the case, like, you know, did you guys experience any, any issues uh, during that? But I guess the answer to that is no. So awesome for you guys. <laughs> uh, sorry, cut out for a second. Oh, no, I was going to say, uh, I go. I guess at that point, you guys didn't yeah. have experience any of the, the bullshit that usually comes along with that kind of stuff. So, I mean, no, good uh, for you we, guys. We got, like, yeah. I, I mean, it's awesome that, that, like, Chase didn't have to deal with any of that 
and shit from fans because that would have been you know too much um but uh we did have some weird um like kind of i don't even know how to describe it it was just a really weird experience we had this one person and i don't know if it was like a real account or a fake account but it was like one of those sort of new age hippie sort of people followed our page and they would like everything and then they'd share our photos and like our music and say these really really weird long poems about our music and like about chase had two souls and one soul and like all this like really like metaphysical sort of jargon that really didn't make any sense and it was just like it was sort of disturbing you know it's it's hard to describe it was like you know uh i i guess i'd say it's kind of like if you go into a cult meeting and everybody's talking about the cult but you don't know anything about the cult right and it's and you're just sort of like you don't feel you feel very uneasy because yeah. you're you're not sure if, if that person or is unstable yeah. or yeah yeah and it was just really bizarre and like eventually we just blocked her off the page because we were like this is it was ups- like uh, we were afraid it was gonna like, upset chase's mom and stuff and like yeah that that personally i didn't want any more trauma to come to their family um so anytime something like that happens we try to like uh, snuff it out as soon as possible because it's it's not that it's like we're, we we have we don't we have thin skin like if you like if somebody wanted to say that eulogy was a bad record uh because they didn't like it i wouldn't be offended and be like oh you you you're a bad person because it's about a dead person but like uh at the same time if someone wants to be like weird about it and like say things that are like almost disturbing and like sort of morbid about it i would rather they just like not do it or take it somewhere else because it's not uh, you have to understand that the 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 Fraser family has gone through a lot, and it, it's not really something they want brought up a lot. You know, it takes advantage of their grief. Right. What is uh, I mean, obviously, you guys have played stuff off of Eulogy now for a handful of months. Mm-hmm. What uh, what was this? What was the CD release night like? Uh, it was really good. Um, we played uh one of the bigger clubs in Victoria. It's called District. It's a about 500 cap venue. Uh, there's about 250 people out, and um, we got our friends from Hawking and our local pals Aztec to come play with us. And yeah, it was just like you know, kind of built up as the evening went along. You know, people started to funnel in, and uh, we got our our manager at the time to uh, rig us a light show because he does the lights at District, and. Uh, it was really cool. He did some like awesome effects and like it was all mood lit and stuff. And uh, um, yeah, it was a great show. I, I loved it. Um, it was great to see everybody come out and support. And uh, we went played the next night. We did a CD release in Vancouver, which is the the, the big city in BC. And uh, we got a couple of our other friends to come play with us. And we played at a small cafe and we did the opposite, which was like we played a very intimate venue. And like, you know, maybe only had about 100 kids there and it was great. So at this point, you are about to embark on your Canadian tour. Uh, mm-hmm. Looks like you're going to be gone for. I mean, it looks like you're going to be gone for almost a, a month, between yeah. kind of hitting everywhere. What? Yeah. Uh, I didn't see. It didn't look like you guys are taking anyone out with you. Are you just kind of doing the the we one? We were bit? planning. To, yeah, we were planning to originally, and then uh, it just didn't work out. So we were like, yeah, yeah, we'll just do it ourselves. You know, we're kind of. We don't want to give the uh, the uh, idea that we are lone wolves by choice. 
<laughs> we are uh, we are lone wolves by circumstance. Uh, but yeah, no, we got lots of cool bands we're gonna play with. Uh, uh, actually, Toronto is gonna be really fun. I get to play with my uh, old roommates' band, uh, Conversation, which will be really cool. Um, and then, you know, we're seeing some friends along the road, and that that's gonna be great to you know reach out to all these people I haven't seen in months. You know, since they've been touring out here, or you know, opposite. Um, it's gonna, yeah, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Is this uh, one of the longer runs you've done consistently, like from start to finish? This is our first tour. Oh, it's the first tour. This is our first. Ah, yeah, okay. we've only done island tours. Yeah, we, <laughs> uh, we unfortunately couldn't tour for about two years just because of Chase's health. Okay. So we were we were ex- we were extremely limited to what we could do, but uh, now we uh, as as soon as this record was out, we were like, yeah, we got to tour it. You know, it's time. So we. Uh, we started collaborating with uh, Sleep Later Booking, and um, yeah, now we're working on getting some U.S. dates for next year, and uh, working on Europe. Well, maybe a little bit later into next year as well. Maybe doing another U.S. run. Um, it just depends on like if we're gonna record any singles this year, or if we're gonna do, um, if we're just gonna wait to do a full bl- another full blown record. It just really depends on scheduling and you know what's available to us. Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, like, I'd like to do a couple singles just to, like, kind of gauge the reaction to, like, what we want to do next. But uh, at the same time, um, I, I just want to focus on doing some new stuff. You know, I, I did a pretty, like, heavy record that I, you know, I'm really proud of and I'm really glad that I got to work on it and produce it. But um, I'm <laughs> I'm all out of grief, you know? Like, I... <laughs> I uh, I'm 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 always gonna miss Chase and I'm always gonna love the dude and uh, I I I have I think the world of him and his family and it's just uh it's getting harder and harder for me to uh to feel like I'm that I can continue t- saying uh the messages of this album without sounding like a, just a plea for attention you know like right I, I it's it's that's something I really worried about um I, I was I'm I, I, when we released this record, I was really worried about uh, people thinking that, you know, our record was kind of just like a cry for attention because we, we were right, you know, given the circumstances that we were trying to use the uh, the tragedy to our advantage to gain traction with fans, that it was a sob story on purpose. I and think. It, and good. Yeah. Well, I was going to oh, say. I... say <laughs> yeah. You're probably going to say the exact same thing I'm going to say, so I'll let you go. I was going to say, I mean history has proven i mean i can think of like countless records that have come out where that has been the case like and no one has felt that it was for lack of a better term a cash grab i feel like it's it's obviously part of the grieving process it's going to come out regardless Mm -hmm. and even to the point like you know you're not you know this huge band that you know tours internationally and all that kind of stuff yet but i still think for the fans that you have and the people who will find you i mean death is is a thing that everyone will eventually mm-hmm. experience yeah. and everyone deals with it differently and thinking of something like you know listening to the record it kind of having gone to like i said earlier i went and saw deftones this past weekend and mm-hmm. in conjunction with listening to your record uh gearing up like most of this week this past week uh leading up to the show um i was reminded of a friend of mine that had passed away uh deftones being one of our mutually favorite bands uh have memories of mm-hmm. going to see him before he passed and stuff like that and then even yeah. to the point of uh, Deftones played up to the first chorus of uh, the song Reverie off of uh, Saturday Night Wrist, which is one of my favorite songs off that record and kind of reminds me of said person. Um, mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, the concept of the record has kind of been heavy on my mind and kind of, uh, while not going through the exact same things, I mean, loss is lost and, you know, any of your friends yeah, or for sure. people being taken for before their time uh, is never easy to deal with. And mm-hmm. kind of being able, being in that headspace myself uh, over the last week and then listening to your record, it, it wasn't like I purposely did that to myself to be like, oh, I need to get real, like, in this headspace to listen to this album. But I definitely think it gave me a greater appreciation to, to then kind of put myself in all of your collective shoes and, and kind of think about, like, how hard mm-hmm. it would be to, to sit down and try to make something creative that, you know, honors yeah. the person and does your friend justice and stuff like that. So I think that... Mm-hmm it's a record that, you know, maybe it's like you kind of said, it's not for everybody maybe. And maybe it's, it'll be a record that will find people when they need it the most. And at that point, I think you can't really, you can't really time that. Like it just, it Mm -hmm. will be when it needs to be. Yeah. I'm, I'm also one of those people that's never really satisfied, you know, like I, I, uh, always like to wet my teeth for more, but, uh, um, yeah, I think this record, it, it came out, it needed to come out. I think it, it needed to be written. Uh, in terms of what we're gonna do later, what what we're gonna what we're gonna keep, I I, I don't know. It's kind of dependent on like what people want and what we want, and I think we'll discover more what we're looking for uh, as we move more into the year. Uh, especially now with like we got one new demo written that like is like done, and we know kind of where we're sitting at, but. Uh, it's yeah i don't think we'll you know really have an idea of like where we're going to be at with our new music until probably like october or november um i hope we can get some more stuff out though before the end of the year i'd love to you know show people that you know we 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 aren't like tool we're not going to take 10 years to release new songs <laughs> and we, we are living in uh, a time now where novelty is the new thing people want a new song that's why youtube channels where guys release you know, new songs every week are so popular is because people just always want something new. But then where does the longevity go? Right. No, I think that's where, you know, being a vinyl guy myself, I think what you're saying is is accurate. I think people want to be immersed in, in something and be not just like, oh, here's two songs and I'm done, like to actually kind of sit with something and, and really feel it and yeah. take it in. I, I think it definitely speaks more to the uh, – the conservative mindset that people used to have to now, whereas like it's more uh, fleeting and you know, carpe diem, live in the moment is very popular idiom that people use to disc- to live their life by. YOLO. Uh, YOLO, yeah, exactly. And it's <laughs> like, and you know, that speaks to every part of everybody's life. You know, the people's lives are disposable. Like they, 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 they pick up one thing, put it down five minutes later because they, 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 they weren't insane at it or they just got bored of it. And, um, you know, video games are no longer giant 60 hour epics. They're five minute movies. They're, sorry, they're, uh, they're five hour movies. Yeah. I have, but I, I've definitely been also like rediscovering the classics a lot. Like I've been playing through final fantasy nine and stuff. And, um, I was always a big fan of like, uh, Sonic for the dreamcast. Cause I grew up with the dreamcast and, uh, there were such great fighting games on that console. And like, I feel like now it's like you can either play a uh, a eight hour storybook with just cutscenes, or you can play um, like a competitive shooter, and that's your basically your options for everything now. 
It's, it's kind of sad. Yeah, I've uh, been thinking about going and getting my old Genesis from my parents' house. Oh, you should. Yeah. Because you I was still got your old games, so you could at least sell them for I have probably a, sh- a lot right now. I have like a shitload of games because I was one of those people that basically just bought games, and when I had Christmas or birthdays, they just asked for games. So it's like. Still have Eternal Champions. Mm. I have some of the games. Like I still have my Sega CD. I still have like Sega CD games. So like, oh, that's crazy. And, and like they're not like cracked cases. I think I can think of one game off the top of my head out of all of my games that has like a fucked up case. All the rest are like still have the instruction manual. Still have everything like super good. Oh yeah, they'd go for a ton then. Yeah. Um. Like, now that we're basically not talking about music at all. Um. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> talking about video games. Yeah. Well, I mean, they kind of go one and the same. I think a lot of people, I find that a yeah. lot of musicians, you know, when they're not on the road, like, are always playing video games and stuff, and just kind of, it's a different facet of oh. being able to do stuff. Um, if it's any consolation, that's how I got into music. You know, it's funny, because you had mentioned Desley Dying earlier, or maybe I did. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, like, way back at the beginning, yeah. But what's funny about them is a friend of mine had actually made the comment about how if you just listen to the music, it almost sounds like it would be, like, and make it 8-bit, it would almost be, like, more aggressive, like, Castlevania music. Oh, totally. Uh, it's the same with, um, if you listen to, like, a- anime themes and stuff, and you, like, if you, like, just put the MIDI through stuff, it just sounds like Castlevania or fucking, um, like, Sonic the Hedgehog or something. Just, like, uh, there's one song by... Even, like, Meshuggah, now that yeah. I think about it. Like, I listened to an 8-bit version of Meshuggah, and it definitely just sounds like Contra. <laughs> they, they, Some of these things that people do that know more about production, like, there's a Meshuggah thing where they take the song Bleed. Someone did, like, a 25% slowed-down version of it or whatever, and it just sounds so much more aggressive and brutal. You're just like, Jesus it sounds, yeah, It sounds like a, a deathcore band, like, yeah. I, just because it's, like... Um, without that like that tightness and that like that fast pace it like loses all like its gent characteristics and just kind of becomes like 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 white chapel or something yeah because his vocals in that 20 i've heard that 25 percent speed down version and uh they pitched it down too yeah so his like his vocals just sound like phil bozeman or something um so kind of wrapping this up where uh i always like to have people plug their socials so where can people find you and or the band whichever you would like to plug or both uh, if you want to visit our website at vulturemusic.ca, uh, you can find any of our social links at the bottom of the homepage. And then uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, we have a merch on Big Cartel. Uh, it's com, And, um, yeah, you can find us on Spotify, on Apple Music. Uh, we're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. Like, basically on every major music re- retailer you can uh, find our music and we're on youtube on the Dreambound music channel so and then i always like to end the episode with a song so what would you like me to play out the episode with and maybe give a little backstory on it um <laughs> does that have to be one of my songs or does it could be any song no it doesn't have uh, to be yours it can be whatever <laughs> shit <laughs> i wish i had had time to think about this uh Play, play me out, Johnny. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, play me out to uh, the happiest anime song you can think of. I don't, I don't know what it is. I was gonna say since whatever, I... whatever sounds. Sorry. I was gonna say I, I, I remember getting into anime when it was like still called Japanimation. It kind of dates myself. Oh yeah. Like... 
early 90s. Yeah. yeah. And I remember, uh, I almost said Bushido Blade. That was one of my favorite, like, PlayStation games. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Oh, fuck, what was the name of that movie? Ninja Scroll was one of my favorites. And then I remember seeing on Adult Swim's, well, before it was Adult Swim, it was just Cartoon Network, uh, super late, when I back when I still lived in Delaware, uh, seeing this movie. Oh, yeah, like Cowboy Bebop. Oh, yeah. Ninja Scroll? Yeah, I saw Ninja Scroll, yeah. but it was some movie mm-hmm. with this dude that looked like The Undertaker from wrestling uh, in the middle of, like, then there's a cabin, and basically he was, like, saving this girl that was out in the cabin against this thing that was coming after her, I guess. But I don't remember what it was called, and I just remember it being, like... It's called Vampire Hunter D. Is it really? It's Vampire Hunter... Yeah, it's Vampire Hunter D. Really? I'm pretty sure. I Yeah, if he looks like the... Did he wear a big hat? Yeah. Yeah, really? Vampire Hunter D. I feel like it would have yeah. been something completely different than that, because, like, that's, that's a pretty easy thing to remember, but... I, it might be something different, but like if it was like a pretty old anime, like night, like it looked like kind of old, like eighties sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it came yeah, out around the same time, around like the time that like Ninja Scroll came out here in the states, like around yeah. then, like Akira. Yeah, it, it, I'm guaranteed it, it's probably Vampire Hunter D. Um, that's like one of the first ones that really came over. Yeah, uh, there's a YouTube channel called Bennett Sage that I watch a lot, and he talks about like the process of like bringing old anime over to uh the united states and it's super interesting stuff like uh for an industry that like was basically a no-go and like a lot of the catalog is just write-offs for companies from japan to try and like make back the money they lost on like their japan releases right super interesting to see how like they they affected the cultural landscape and you know influenced filmmakers like quentin tarantino and stuff like uh even if you're like not into nerdy stuff like it's worth checking out just if you're into like media history yeah because i was gonna say like around that time like i got into that stuff like i had a dude that lived in our apartment building that had all that and was like oh check out ninja scroll check out this and it's like what the fuck is this and yeah it's then, crazy stuff yeah so i mean like and then there just became so much that i was like i can't keep up with this anymore there's just too much and some of it's like really lame to me like some of the stuff that's more like I don't know, like I like Dragon Ball Z. I know you talked about that earlier, and it's like I try getting into that, and it's just like, I'm like man, I don't, I don't get this. It kind of reminds me of like, kind of like my my disdain for like Final Fantasy. It was like the dude I was talking about earlier that my friend that passed away. It was like one of his favorite games, that in Street Fighter, and mm-hmm. he would play Final Fantasy, and he's like, man, this game's so sweet. I was like, I have a, a a problem with the fact that this game looks fucking sweet in the cutscenes, and then like the game itself looks like shit. And I go, how do you like? It's like they blew their wad on all the cutscenes, and then we're like, well, here's this like eight bit game. <laughs> And then on top of that, I was like, I have a hard time believing in the fighting mechanics of someone who's going to, like, group up with a bunch of people and then be like, now it's your turn to hit me. <laughs> I was like, I just think that's, that's yeah. weird. And I was like, I understand. Well, luckily, yeah, luckily now there's action RPGs, so most games don't have that problem anymore. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's just, like, the limitations of the time. Yeah. And it was, like, trying to do something different. It was trying to, um, yeah, it's just. You know, it's it it was a product of the time, and like some of the games haven't aged well. Some have aged really, really well, but uh, you know, it all comes down to personal taste. And yeah. uh, one of my favorite games of all yeah, time. Yeah, Dragon Ball. Actually, that's what yeah. I'm gonna do because I always thought it was a, it should have been like an anime, and I feel like it should have been a game that continued on and never never got its just due. But I'm gonna play something from the game Parasite Eve. One hundo p, dude, do it up. That's a great game. I that love is, that game. That is like my favorite game, like perfect Parasite Eve one and Parasite Eve two. Like I thought they were fucking great like merging between like the resident evil like horror survival stuff going on at the time and then like kind mm-hmm. of a little bit more of like the final fantasy style like with the 
the hit points yeah. and all that kind of stuff that was becoming more prevalent in gaming. It's it's a, it's a tragically underrated game. It was one of my favorites, and like I got really excited because like where it left off at the end of two, like left me really excited, and they just never did anything with it. Yeah, other than... well, what can you do? Anyways, thanks so much for having me, John. Yes, yeah. awesome to talk to you and talk about video games and music and all the things that us, us two dudes like. <laughs> Not a problem. Uh, hopefully, we'll be seeing you guys in the states sometime, maybe either later this year or early next year. Yeah. I hope we can get out there as soon as possible. Awesome. Well, safe travels on your upcoming tour, and enjoy the rest of your evening. So that was my chat with Leif Hines of the band Valtry. As you could hear, we covered a lot of ground, beginning with the band's formation, to writing of the new album, to Chasen's impact on the new album, and a little bit of a backstory into Chasen's life and how it uh, has shaped these guys going forward to anime and video games and what it's like to be you know a, a local canadian band trying to tour and get your name out there and how hard it is to do such even more so than you know a band coming from you know the united states if you would like to keep up with Voltry and or leaf uh you can do so over on twitter and instagram you can follow leaf over at leafy hines that's l-e-i-t-h-y-h-y-n-d-s that's for both twitter and instagram if you would like to follow Voltry, you can do such on a multitude of platforms. Uh, you can find Voltry at voltrymusic.ca. You can find Voltry at on Bandcamp at voltry.bandcamp.com. Twitter at Voltry Music. Instagram at Voltry. And if you want to buy merch and support the band, pick up their record, get a shirt, whatever, you can do so over at uh, voltry.bigcartel.com. Voltry is spelled V-A-U-L-T-R-Y if you are interested in following them or buying anything. Uh, if you would like to throw some extra support, uh, you can do so and support me on my social medias over at Johnson Title Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. Uh, if you want to tweet at me, it's at Johnson Title Pod. Email johnsontitlepod at gmail.com. And as always with these newer episodes, you can find this on YouTube. Uh, something a little bit different with this episode is I'm going to throw the entire chat with uh, Leif up over there we talked a little bit more about anime and a little bit more about video games and video game collections and stuff like that so if you're into more of that and you want to hear us discuss more of that kind of stuff uh, you can find that extended uh, chat over at the youtube channel just look for john's entitled podcast and you should be able to find me uh, still pretty bad about getting the rest of the back episodes up but uh, moving forward all the newer episodes are always going to be over there so appreciate all the love that you know we're getting between the two platforms whether you're listening to it or if you're watching the conversations as they're happening i uh, got a lot of great guests coming up and i can't wait to start getting some of those episodes done and out so you can uh hear some of these great conversations that i've been wanting to have with some of these people for a long time going to end this episode as we always do with a song i uh, decided to pull a, a switch there on a leaf and i did grab a parasite eve song from the original soundtrack uh, the song is called Arise Within You. It is from the original soundtrack to the game. Uh, as you heard us saying, Parasite Eve was uh, one of my favorite games, and I think it's criminally underrated. And so I found kind of a happier song. It's only about like two minutes, so it goes pretty quickly. Uh, but I think it would be a disservice to not play any Voltry, even though uh, Leith didn't want me to, per se. So I'm going to throw in uh, their single, Ghost Writing. Uh, it was one of the first songs that I ended up listening to the band, and I really enjoyed it. So it's going to be kind of weird ending from the Parasite Eve song and going into Vultry. There's really no good way to do it one way or the other, so 
Uh, I'm going to start with the Parasite Eve song, and then it's going to go into Vulture right after that. So thanks for listening to this week's chat. Come back next week where we'll have another guest, and I'll talk to you then.